It's not like I had any say in it. It's like if the NFL is offering you a job at a certain position, like <laughs> you're not gonna be like, I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna do something, gonna do right. something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going with the flow, and thank you, Falaron. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Go With The Flow. A very, very special guest in the building. Um, uh, this individual, who I will introduce in a second, it's actually funny how this episode came about. I was at the Princeton Entrepreneurship Conference in the city a few weeks ago. I decided, I got there kind of late, was kind of tired, but I was like, okay, let me go do some networking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so walked up to, I think you were actually the second or third person that I talked to, and then we got to talking. You mentioned that you were a former NFL player and still working your way to get back to the NFL, and I was like, whoa, like podcast this is exactly who i'm trying to talk to and get to have on my podcast and i asked you to come on and you are very gracious and you are here right now so seth devalve thank you so much for coming on yeah thank you for having me i love princeton i love princetonians i love podcasts and uh so this was a no-brainer i lo- love that love yeah. that and so the very first place that i want to start is you are a class of 2016 yes. you played on the football team here and i saw that you were a mechanical engineering mm-hmm. major which i very so much respect i respect everyone's majors but i respect <laughs> the engineers that much more why did you decide why did you decide that you wanted to go with mechanical engineering when you were here yeah it's a great question um i kind of grew up in a family of engineers like if you were around our dinner table uh, when I was growing up, we had some very interesting dinner conversations about mathematics, string theory, physics. My dad, you know, has worked on airplanes his whole life. And we grew up building stuff like we had a half pipe in our backyard that we built and paid for with a paper route and, you know, tree houses and trebuchets which most people don't even know what that is but we had designed and built a trebuchet it's like it's like it's like medieval siege warfare equipment okay we would just like launch bowling balls into the woods it was awesome (laughs) but you know on top of that too like as a 16 17 year old kid in high school you kind of pick a major that like based off of what subjects you enjoy in school i at least that's kind of where my head was at I, lo- I always loved math and physics. And, um, you know, at the time, I didn't love reading and writing as much as I do now. You know, if I were to go back to school, maybe I would consider more options. But at the time, like, I really knew that I was, I loved and was good at math and physics and uh, chemistry and all that kind of stuff. And I wanted to kind of follow in my, my dad's footsteps, kind of my older brother's footsteps. And Princeton actually turned out to be one of the few places where I could realistically come and play football and study that for four years at the same time, because what a lot of recruits don't know at that age is um, while coaches will tell you, you can study whatever you want at a lot of schools. um, The truth is you can't. And my brother actually got into a position at a different school where he had to change his major from a science major over to like a humanities major, uh, like his sophomore year, because like the practice and um, academic time conflict Um, But Princeton is such like it's such a small undergraduate body, such a high percentage of the undergraduate population here are athletes because we have every sports team imaginable. Yeah. So like the university here does a really good job of accommodating its student athletes. 
And um, this it was one of the reasons I chose to come here was because I knew I wanted to play football. I wanted to study engineering. And this is honestly one of the few schools you can realistically do that. Yeah. So. And, yeah. And it's funny because I actually read a Daily Prince article just the other day and it was looking at the major breakdown. It was specifically by student athlete versus non-student athletes. Mm -hmm. And there was some like testimonials about how some student athletes felt like some certain STEM degrees were still even a little bit too hard to attain. And so they were finding themselves dropping out. So that's just a testament to how hard every, not just every student athlete, but especially engineers have to work because even, even with all the accommodations that exist, it's yeah. still not easy because it's Princeton and you're working too. I like to say athletes have two full-time schedules as being students and being athletes. Listen, my first two <laughs> years here, you could not find me. <laughs> I was, I rushed through the dining. I spent, I would speedy in the dining hall. I would barely get my eight hours of sleep, which actually was pretty good. I was about to say, at least you got eight, yeah. I was very good about that. That was one of the reasons I probably ended up gaining a bunch of muscle and, you know, all that stuff. But, um, like, you would see me at practice, obviously. You'd see me at class most of the time. But then the rest of my day, I was in my room grinding, just trying to get homework assignments done. And, honestly, I still handed in homework assignments partially done <laughs> but like i was able to i was able to actually do enough and learn quite well to the point where i did i did well com comparably to my you know athlete and non-athlete classmates yeah. so yeah 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 and so the first place that i wanted to first thing that i want to ask you about which is very timely because we're in the last few weeks of the semester i turned yeah. my thesis last week and we're now ptl senior spring mm -hmm. can you reflect back on your on your senior spring especially the last few weeks and just what that feeling of turning to the thesis was like for you and just how much fun you were able to have in those last few weeks yeah absolutely you know i actually had a senior fall and I won't go into too many details about why that is because it, it could be a long story. But essentially, I got hurt my fourth year. Okay. I took, I unenrolled from school so that I could maintain my eligibility. I came back and I did my senior spring the following fall. Oh. So I actually handed in my, I actually handed in my thesis uh, just before Christmas. Okay. <laughs> uh, 2015. Mm -hmm. And ended up graduating June 2016. So actually, that whole spring semester of June 2016, I was not graduated, but I had no more academic requirements. Okay. So I was off campus. I was training uh, for the NFL draft, so on and so forth. But my senior, my, my senior uh, uh, fall, I guess, I actually lived a block down from here in Henry Hall. Henry? <laughs> Uh, with teammates, and uh, we had a we had a grand old time. Um, what, what, what were the parties in Henry Courtyard just uh, just as fun as they were now as they are now? You know, I haven't <laughs> been to any parties in Henry Courtyard in quite a while, but I imagine they're similar. You know, at the time, I don't know if kids still do this, but like we had the strobe lights lining the corner of our of our dorm room, like oh, the yeah. neon lights. Oh, for sure, still exists. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so we had like very colorful themed parties and. Um, you know, we had a good time. We we were all in Canon, so we we frequented Canon quite a bit. Um, I was hard at work on my thesis, while other people kind of weren't. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, um, but you know, at that point, you know, I had what I think to be the the good fortune of actually before graduating college, taking a semester off, going and getting a real job. And when I came back, I appreciated so much the college experience. And, like, not everybody gets to experience that until they're done. Yeah. Like, done, done. 
I got to come back and be like, wow, I'm freaking thankful to be here. And it's funny because during COVID has allowed a lot of people to mm-hmm. do that a lot more than you used to be able to. I literally saw someone in my eating club yesterday who's on a gap year and he was saying exactly what you just said about how he's looking forward to coming back to school, which is yeah. something he never thought he would say because he's been working for the last year also. Yeah, because, so. you know, it's a grind here, especially yeah. if you're a student athlete. And um, some sometimes people take for granted how much opportunity is here, how much community is here. There, the fact that Princeton guarantees housing to all its undergraduates is unheard of in the rest of the college world. Like most people move off campus before their freshman year is even over. <laughs> the, the amount of community that's here is crazy. And I think it's partially why reunions are so successful. Cause like people experience that and they miss that. And um, I just, I really, you know, by that time in my college career, I had kind of figured out the juggle of, all the things on my plate and was really able to enjoy it and enjoy the company of my friends and, um, you know, still, you know, hand in a good thesis and train hard. And it was just, it was a, it was a good time in my life. We talked a little bit about the end of your Princeton career, rewind into sort of your progression from the first to the second to the third year. Yeah. I was doing my research for the episode, looking at your stats and the jumps that you were able to take from freshman to sophomore year, sophomore year to junior year. Mm-hmm. How exactly were you able to take such wide leaps to the point where you're becoming nationally recognized? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I was a quarterback my whole life through high school, okay. uh, starting from fourth grade. Um, I played a little bit of defense in high school while I was being recruited. I was really all over the map. Some schools wanted me at different positions. Um, when I came to the Princeton camp, they kind of liked me at every position other than like offensive and defensive line and quarterback. That was the thing. Like I wanted to play quarterback, but Princeton was like, we want you, but you're not playing quarterback. I still give them grief about that to this day you can curse on here if you want yeah personal choice anyways (laughs) anyways um i think that i was a pretty good athlete at the time but it was a little bit untapped because i was standing in the pocket throwing passes yeah i didn't know what i had within me from like just a pure expression of athleticism standpoint because one of the things i loved about the transition to wide receiver actually was like dang i get to just like use the full extent of my athleticism here Whereas, like, you could be a great athlete, stand in the pocket, and just miss your throw. Yeah. And be considered a bad quarterback. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, as a wide receiver, man, you could still have a lot of work to do and still get by and just athleticism. You know what I mean? Um, that being said, though, I think in terms of just making jumps from year to year, I was always very focused, very short-term. And I think... That's one of the messages I want to get across to like young athletes, college athletes, especially in an era of NIL. Like so many people I talk to are so focused like five, ten years out on like what where they want to be. I never had that mentality. I like I didn't come to Princeton thinking I was gonna play in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like I came to Princeton because I wanted to play college football. Yeah. And I wanted to get a great education and I wanted to have a great career someday. You know what I mean? Um, But I've always, my personality has always been like very driven and wanting to be the best as I possibly can at what's right in front of me. So like my, my jumps from year to year were just, I was just trying to be the best uh, second year receiver I could be, best third year receiver I could be, the best in the weight room at that given week. 
You know what I mean? Um, I didn't start thinking about the NFL until scouts started coming to practice. And um, even then, I had to actually talk to the scouts to make sure they were legit. You know what I mean? Like, um, are you actually here for for me? Yeah, exactly. No, I know. Like, I like I just wanted to compete with the guys around me and be the best at where I was. That's how I was in high school. That's how I was in college. Um, you know, I, I didn't have this dream of playing in the NFL since I was five years old. Like you hear a lot of kids talking about. Like I did dream about that, but it wasn't like that's why I was getting up to work. Yeah, I was getting up to work because I wanted to win against my peers yeah. you know what i mean and that i encourage people to kind of adopt that mindset because you can't control the future five ten years from now like there's a lot of of un, of variability and uncertainty that goes into achieving something like that and and most of us who have achieved that have gotten lucky on a couple of those things you know what i mean you just don't know so like just focus on the present that can be advice for a lot of things but particularly athletes like don't get too far ahead of yourself just do the best you possibly can with what's right in front of you. And that's what I did. And so are you saying that even at that point, <clears throat> when scouts started to come to see you, you kept that same short-term mentality? Or at that point, did you then extend to a little bit of, okay, maybe I should try to start planning two to three down years down the line to potentially be in the NFL? I honestly didn't even have a choice. Like, I kid you not, and this might not be the healthiest thing, but like, I most of my time I spent here was survival mode. Like, I didn't have any more to give athletically than I was already giving. I didn't have any more to give academically than I was already giving. So, like, it was business as usual. Like, I'm trying to maintain a respectable GPA, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to dominate on the field. And, like, everything I had been doing up until that point was all I continued to do. Um, the only thing that maybe would have changed is I started talking to agents um, you know, who start recruiting you for once your eligibility is up because you need an agent in the NFL. Um, and I started, I started getting advice from them because the truth is what got you to be a dominant uh, college football player isn't necessarily going to get you, that same work isn't necessarily going to get you to be a dominant pro player. There's a lot of adjustments that need to be made. So I learned a lot in the process and from various people that I had the good fortune of connecting with. But at the time, it was business as usual. Fair enough. And, yeah. And looking back now, what about the Princeton football experience do you think prepared you for mm -hmm. that, that next step, if, if it did in any way? Yeah, well, well Coach Therese has had a lot of experience in the NFL coaching and scouting. Um, and, uh, you know, when you're around football at the highest level, you know what it takes to be successful. Um, football involves so many people. There's over 100 guys on the field. Or, sorry, on the team. Uh, there's 20, 22 on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's 22 at any given time unless there's a penalty. But um, there's a hundred, in college, there's over 100 guys on, on the team. There's over 20 coaches. Like, so much of success in football is logistics. If you can maximize your time, if you can maximize your practice, if you can maximize your time in the film room, if you can like maximize the, the physical output of the individual players on your team without, you know, overtraining, like all that stuff you learn from being around football at a high level. Coach Strace has, uh, the head football coach here has, has been there. And so he structured, like the, the structure of the program here is what you can expect when you go into, you know, an NFL locker room or a high level college, like a, like a, like a BCS college locker room. Um, and so like, I wasn't, 
I wasn't giving up anything by choosing to play football here in terms of like level of preparation. The strength staff here is amazing. Um, the coaches here were really great. I, you know, I had a really great wide receiver coach, Dennis Goldman, while I was here, and I was a blank slate. I had never played wide receiver in my life, and he coached me from the very fundamentals of the position, and everything I know, everything I knew up until that point was from him. And I think that was maybe a good, looking back, a good thing because you know I didn't have any bad habits yet. Um, but yeah, it was just it's a really good program here, and I, I when I talk to recruits, I encourage them to come here, especially if they want to be an engineer. <laughs> yeah, good point. But, yeah, and honestly, that that is interesting to hear, and I feel like a lot of people might be surprised to hear that if you come to an Ivy League school, to a Princeton or Princeton specifically, which is what you were speaking to, you're not losing anything preparation preparation wise as compared to if you're going to whatever other school. So that is something that again would be a very good tool to to give recruits where they might think, yeah. okay, I'm going to get good academics here, but would I be certainly would I would I begin the same level of training that I would? And so you're saying that that. That's exactly what you're yeah. able to have here. You know, when I was getting recruited here, there wasn't a ton of guys in my position to tell recruits that. Yeah. Now there's several. And I think that's um, – on top of that, too, Ivy League football just continues to get better. Like, I may not have been able to say that 10 years ago about Ivy League football, but, like, it's legit yeah. now. And uh, there's plenty of examples of guys every year going pro and from various programs, particularly Princeton. Um and, uh, yeah, like, those guys weren't around to, like, talk to because they didn't exist when I was getting recruited. But now, like, it's a testament to the growth of the league over the, you know, the last decade or so. But Yeah, and we mentioned the draft a little bit ago, and so the actual NFL draft for this year is actually tomorrow. So very timely conversation. Can you take me back to your draft night specifically going in? Did you feel like you knew around where you'd be drafted, or you just went to that night, like, hopefully, because oh, it's multiple nights. So did you go into those period of days thinking, I just hope my name will be called at some point? What exactly was your mindset going in? So my expectation was that I was going to be a day three draft pick. Basically, the way the NFL draft works is the first round is on the first day. Rounds two and three are on the second day, and rounds uh, four through seven are on the third day. Um, I did not – I watched the draft the first two days, but I didn't have – I wasn't, like, waiting by the phone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, what I was doing was seeing where tight ends were, were picked and how that might affect where I get picked. You know what I mean? There's, there's a little bit of a game there. Um, I did expect to be picked some somewhere on the third day. Um, my draft day in particular was awesome. I mean, I ended up getting picked early in the day, which is great. Didn't have to sit by the TV or the phone all day. I think the people who were with me really appreciated that too because yeah. I think they, it was a beautiful day. I think we wanted to get out and celebrate, yeah. we, and we had the opportunity to do that. You know, um, I have an awesome family. Um, they live around the country now, but it was really special to have them all home my brothers and, uh, you know, their families. Um, it was it was an event that brought people together, almost like a wedding-ish mm -hmm. that you, it, that's hard to recreate um, in the future. Um, and so it was one of those days where, like, I was surrounded by all my favorite people. And um, it was just super special, you know, Um it's it's one of it's one of the great memories and great days of my life. Um, it's not uh, certainly not everything, but it's it was it was a really special day. And um, to be drafted early on the third day and have time to go out and celebrate with 
you know, all those people was really was really special. And it's so cool that you said earlier that you came into Princeton and you didn't even dream of going to the NFL, and yet you are, to this day, the highest Princeton football mm. player drafted in the NFL. You're drafted 138th overall by the Browns in the, four, in the fourth yeah. round. So that's just kind of funny how life works, where it's like, it's the, the, the maybe the people who come here who have been dreaming about the NFL from the day they were born, they might not have been drafted, but you, you were just taking things a year at a time, and again, yeah. draft, drafted very highly. So yeah. so pretty pretty cool. And so you were drafted by the Browns to Cleveland, and you played wide receiver in college, and then yes. you transitioned to tight end. Did you have any say in that at all? Or were you just called into an office one day, and they were like, you're a tight end now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of knew, actually, before my college career was over that I was being scouted as a tight end. I mean, I was one of the heaviest wide receivers probably in football history. <laughs> um, but I was still athletic enough, at least in the Ivy League, to – continue to play wide receiver our offensive coordinator at the time could have moved me to tight end but he loved having a big body wide receiver <laughs> out on the edge and quite honestly I loved it too um but by my last year in college like I was moving into tight end putting my hand in the ground doing traditional tight end things uh, but really only in games I didn't practice it um I started practicing it after you know my college career was over before the draft but um it's not like I had any say in it. It's like if the NFL is offering you a job at a certain position, like <laughs> you're not gonna be like, I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm gonna, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna do right. something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, other than maybe that specific position change, what would you say was the hardest transition to from college football to playing in the NFL? Mm. I was just talking to somebody about this. You know, football is an interesting sport because there's actually, and I might, I might have a. Uh, kind of a niche opinion on this, but I feel like there's a lot of people walking around that could play a couple of snaps in the NFL. Like, from just a physical output perspective. Like, you, the same can't be said about the NBA. Yeah. NBA, <laughs> like, is different from a height perspective, a skill perspective. Football is one of those sports where, like, if you are strong, fast, and work hard, like, you can go really far. You know what I mean? To a certain extent, that was kind of who I was. Um, and I had a really great first day of practice. And, uh, after that day I had pulled my hamstring and, um, the coach, our, our offensive coordinator and head coach walked up to me up, up to my locker after the practice. And he was like, Seth, like you're a good player, but you got to figure out how to stay on the field and do this every day. The NFL season is july through february and we start playing in april to get ready um which means you're playing football for the majority of the year every day right so what really makes a pro and separates pros from just the rest of the population that may look like a pro is the ability to get up and do it every day and like the ivy the ivy league schedule is kind of a sprint it's a very short season you're home by thanksgiving and like it's a physical grind, but it's not the long grind of an NFL season where, like, you got to take care of your body. You got to learn how to be competitive at 95% and not always just at 100%. Um, there's a lot more that goes into being able to roll out of bed and play football every day than a lot of people realize, than a lot of college football players realize. 
and I happen to be one of those. But you know, over over the course of my career, I've gotten a lot better at that. And um, you know, injuries still happen, but uh, some of the uh, you know soft tissue injuries I struggled with early on, I don't struggle with anymore. So um, I would say the biggest adjustment wasn't necessarily skill wise; it was how to maintain your body for that long. Yeah, yeah. And they do say the best ability is availability. Exactly. So that's kind of kind of what you're you're hinting at. And yeah. I would say also maybe that might be one thing where it might be useful or helpful for the Ivy League to maybe prep athletes for the NFL to maybe extend the season a little bit longer, the same way yeah. the FBS season finishes like early January. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, the Ivy League is immovable on many of those things, but that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. And so that was the hardest transition. Would you say that there was a specific, like, in-game, like, welcome to the NFL moment mm, that you had? Yeah. You know, the NFL preseason, I don't know how much our audience follows the NFL. I would imagine maybe a little. There's, like, nowadays there's three preseason games before the regular season. The starters usually don't play in them. It's usually, like, guys who are being evaluated to see if they're going to make the roster. So, like, I remember my first a rookie preseason, I had a false sense of security. Because I was, like, I knew I was playing against second and third stringers, but it felt like the NFL, like, you know, like the other side has a Chicago Bears helmet on. You know what I mean? Like, I'm playing the Bears. You know what I mean? Um, So I remember, like, feeling like, dang, I'm going to be in this league a long time. You know what I mean? Like, I I can play here. And then I remember my very first regular season game, week one of 2016, was against the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. I'm an Eagles fan, by the way, so go Birds. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually my parents. You know, my parents came to my first game as well. And looking back on it, being in Philadelphia for their first experience at an NFL game was probably the wrong place. Because <laughs> Philly fans are like... Something else. Kind of the worst <laughs> and the meanest. And... Yeah, we won't get into Philly things, but my parents, yeah, my parents had some stories after that game. But anyways, like, you know, I get into the game, I feel pretty prepared, but like, Brandon Graham was not playing preseason football. No, he was not. <laughs> and, I, you know, we ended up losing that game. I, I only ended up playing, you know, a handful of snaps because I was a third tight end. I played special teams a lot at that, at that point in my career. But I remember being like, dang, I could have prepared better. You know, like, also, I could I could have just, I don't know, there's little tricks to the trade in the NFL, especially when it comes to preparation and studying the opponents you're going up against, specifically, that I kicked myself right in the gear after that game, because I was like, man, this is not preseason. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, these guys are for real, for real, and uh, I got to, I'm going to do better next time, and I did, you know, I did, I did come back better, and, um, you know, maybe that's not like the, the the like big hit moment of welcome to the NFL, but like Brandon Graham was a formidable opponent. For those of you who don't know, he I don't think he's on the Eagles anymore. Brandon, mm. but he's a, he was number fifty five, big old defensive end, one of the best in the biz at the time. And yeah, I think he won that matchup. Yeah, I feel. I, why do I feel like he still is on? If not, he was last season. Maybe he isn't anymore. But Brent, yeah, he's Brent, had a good career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, again, love, yeah. love Brandon Graham. And I will say, Eagles or Philly fans are something else. I still remember I went to the parade in my senior year of high school mm-hmm. after the Super Bowl win. One of the most fun experiences ever. Just a very wild group of individuals all coming together to celebrate one thing. It was a a, a magical time. <laughs> yeah, you know, you being a Philly fan, you'd probably appreciate. 
the fact that I got to play with Nick Foles first season in Jacksonville. Wow, I do appreciate my that. Uh, my my wife's family are also Philly fans, and they could barely contain themselves that year. We love we love Nick Foles. I'm not gonna say his nickname on here because it's yeah you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 don't say it. A family friendly podcast. Yeah. Um, okay, but, he's a good guy. Yeah yeah. <laughs> um, so for you certain career milestone moments first catch first touchdown do you remember each of those moments vividly my first touchdown was my second catch oh wow okay in the nfl and um it was on national television it was on thursday night football yep um eric weddle had me one-on-one over the middle and i just ran past him (laughs) um you know the ball. The ball was kind of like lollipopped up there because it was man coverage, and you can do that against man coverage downfield. And I was just running under it. It was a good. It was a good pass, but it like took a while to get to me. Yeah. I was just running <laughs> under it. I was like Seth, <laughs> Seth, Seth, Seth. You got to catch this one. <laughs> so when you if you ever pull up the footage, like I like kind of instead of like catching it with my hands, I like catch it like on in chest. my stomach <laughs> like kind of just like i would catch a baby or something and i just like fell to the ground and rolled into the end zone it wasn't the most glamorous thing but i was like i'm gonna get six points it counts it's you six know what points. i mean exactly and next time you know i won't have these jitters and i'll just catch it like a normal person but was that a baker mayfield pass or who was the quarterback of that that time? was a cody kessler pass okay that was that was pre mayfield era okay yeah but you did play with baker. I, I did play with baker yeah okay um baker was drafted i think in 2018 okay yep and that was 2016 um what was the other question first first catch and first touchdown but you said your second catch oh was- yeah yeah my first catch was i think maybe two weeks prior to that against the jets it was a special day because uh my brothers had come out that week to watch me play so i got my first catch with all my brothers in the stands that was cool love that but uh yeah, the touchdown's better. Yeah, one one thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's points on the board. Yeah. Um, and so those first few years with the Browns, especially your first year, I would say, how much were you able to appreciate the fact that you were living out the dreams of millions of kids around the world hmm. and playing in the NFL? Wow, you know when you think about that question, you, I always feel like I probably could appreciate it more. You know. Um, the NFL is a hard business. You're always working to keep your job. You know, even when you get paid a lot of money, the expectations are higher, and uh, you get cut if you're getting paid a lot and not producing what that pay suggests you should be producing. You know what I mean? So, like, regardless of what you're getting paid in the NFL, like, there's a level of expectation on you that you have to fulfill every day in order to stay there. But like, I had a ton of awesome opportunities that yes is living the dream you know what i mean like just getting to go back to my elementary school and middle school and high school and talk to the students and have them actually care about who i was like i think everybody like desires that to a certain extent um or just like sit on different panels with amazing people and even just be considered to speak with them um you know and just like getting on a team bus and having a police escort everywhere we go. That was pretty, that was pretty great and convenient, especially, (laughs) yo, you know, the one place that doesn't do that where London, Hmm. when NFL teams play in London, we sit for hours (laughs) in traffic, traffic, getting to the airport. (laughs) The only, the only person in London who gets a police escort is the queen. Really? And in, in America, 
if you're any pro team, like the cops come out and they blow even through, co- even college teams, they blow, like, yeah, even college teams, they like blow through all the red lights. They because like football, like at that level, football is like on a very tight schedule. It's yeah. like to the minute. So it's like we're gonna arrive at this time. We're gonna leave at this time, and the cops make it happen. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't know. That's a really weird tangential story. I no, but that's but. actually that's actually so. I would have never thought about it. So you're even. I want to. I wonder if like Premier League teams, like Chelsea, when they're playing, if they. Yeah, just that's have a great to question. <laughs> go through traffic. We <laughs> sat on that bus for hours, and I would imagine. Oh if my y'all gosh! Have to, I played everyone. there twice. Yeah, and both times it was the same way. Two different stadiums, but still a lot of traffic. Wembley, either time. Um, one was Wembley, and one was Twickenham. Where's Twickenham? It's like a it's like a rug, it's like a rugby stadium. Okay, very random. Okay, yeah, but I, yeah, they were both really really cool. Okay, yeah. gotcha. I th- you know what? There's going to be some listeners that are probably going to call me out on that. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's what it's called. That might be the city. Okay, I think that's called the stadium too. Twickenham. Well, you know, we'll say it's we'll yeah. say it's right. I'm not a big European soccer guy. My okay. brother-in-law really is, and he'll probably correct me. But whatever. okay, fair enough. But that, yeah, again, the only queen gets a police escort. That is my little nugget that I've learned. It's right. I Theo behind the camera says it's Twickenham. Look Let's at that. go. I should know. Should. I should know. So, um, I don't even remember the question that I asked. I forgot how I got there. It was oh, like like living the dream moment. Yes, like if you're able to appreciate it, and then oh, oh, what I was going to ask based on what you said, you said you've sat on some panels with some cool people. Who who have you sat on panels with? Hmm. You know, I sat on a couple, uh, um, um, like racial equity and sports panels, like with Benjamin Watson, Rashad Jennings. Um, there's this initiative called the uh, Ross Sports um, Initiative for Equality. It's called Rise that I did some work with for various time. There's some authors that I probably don't remember their names that I sat <laughs> on panels with, um, which is, it, it was, a, you know, very humbling experiences. Um, usually I listened more than I spoke. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, just able to do work in the community and, um, you know, just be a part of conversations, you yeah. know, that are important. Yeah. Um, but, that, you know, that was... And continues to be uh, something I love doing. So, yeah. And so you were on the Browns for a few years, and then you spent a little bit of time with the Jaguars, yes. Panthers, Cardinals. Some of that time as a practice squad player. Yeah. How? Because again, even as someone who follows the NFL very closely, you always hear like practice squad, this practice squad, that. What exactly is the life of a practice squad player mm-hmm. like? And can you just describe the level of uncertainty, whether it's being activated to the game day roster and then not just what is what is the life of a practice squad player like? Yeah, it, it can get unnecessarily complex. So I'll try to keep it simple. But um, an active player, meaning you're on the 53 man roster, you you work, you know, uh, Monday through Sunday, a practice squad player really, really only works on the practice days. So, like, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, You're not taking game reps. You could be called up for a game if there's various injuries or whatever. Um, Like, you are definitely a part of the team. Like, you practice more than anybody. And uh, everybody knows who you are. Like, you're you're definitely part of the team. Sorry, go ahead. Do you have a locker? Yes. Okay. Yeah, no, you're you're 100% part of the team. And you prepare for games as if you're going to play because you could get called up whenever but you're not taking the hits on sunday so like generally your body's in like slightly better shape oh they do they do run you into the ground at practice (laughs) because they know you're not playing on sunday you know what i mean but um 
you know, the, the NFL rosters are so small that even active players take reps with practice squad guys. Um, I've done that my whole career because I've never been like the first position starter. Um, I, I was a little bit my second year, but like even then, because I was a young guy, I when the defense was up, I was helping giving giving them reps. You know what I mean? So like as a young guy in the NFL, unless you're drafted very high or very good, like you're part of the practice squad in some ways. The only the only thing different about actually being on the practice squad is there is some volatility roster wise. Like they may want to bring in a guy at a certain position and start him on the practice squad, and there's only so many spots, so somebody's got to go. You know what I mean? Um, the new CBA that was signed in 2020 actually allows more players to be on the practice squad. Actually, at my level of seniority on the old CBA, I wouldn't have even been able to be allowed to be on a practice squad. So there's some pros and cons to that. One of the pros is definitely like you can get your foot in the door sooner and start on the practice squad before being elevated to the active roster. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's a good job. You still make some money, and you still get to play football. And yeah. most of the time, practice squad players will at some point get called up and get an opportunity to play. So, um, yeah, it's not so bad. Yeah, and the last time that you were on a roster was twenty twenty. Yeah, um, I guess our last game was in January twenty twenty one. But yeah, unfortunately, a knee injury has kept me away since then. I never, I never left the game. Um, I just. Never stop getting calls. I just haven't been healthy enough to fulfill the calls, unfortunately. I'm continuing to work to reverse that and get back to my healthy ways and former self. Um, but, you know, I guess the game takes its toll, and uh, you got to respect your body. Otherwise, it barks back, Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I'm continuing to try to figure that out. So, And where does where does the motivation for you come to keep working through all the injuries and to try to get back on the field? Because I would imagine some people might have just given up at this point, but you're still at the point where, like you just said, you've never actually stepped away from the game and you're waiting for, until your body's ready to get back on the field. Where does that motivation come from? Yeah, you know, in some ways this is new in the sense that no injury has ever taken this long. But in other ways, it's really business as usual. Because how many times can I point to in my career that I've dealt with something just like this? And part of, I've gotten this far partially just because I've never given up. I've always worked to overcome and push through the obstacle. At some point, obviously, that ends, right? But I don't believe this is the end. Um, I've, I'm really young otherwise, you know what I mean? Um, and I feel good. Um, uh, these things can these things can get figured out even if they're frustrating at first. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you know, when the time when the time comes to be done, I think that will be because of our family growing, God willing, or uh, career shifts, or just a lack of love for doing it every day. But I don't I don't think it will be getting pushed out like this. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm just gonna keep overcoming the injury setbacks the way I've done, you know, in the past and uh, just keep working. Where does the motivation come from? Shoot. A lot of people would kill to be in my position. Yes, that's true. You know, <laughs> I, I get to work out every day. Um, I get to impact people's lives, you know, that 
in a, in, a, in a way that I'm fortunate to be able to that, you know, maybe people won't care as much in a couple of years when I'm done. So like, it's just, it's, it's special to get to be able to do it. And, um, while things may be like discouraging presently, like it's cool to, it's cool to get to do what I'm doing. And I, and I acknowledge that. And, um, you know, at some point that'll change, but right now I, I love doing it, you know? So. Yeah. And, and speaking of inspiring people, you started the Seth DeVal foundation. Yeah. Could you just speak to exactly why that was something that you wanted to do and the work that you do through that foundation? Yeah. You know, we started it in, uh, uh, February 2020. Ah, uh, COVID. <laughs> what else happened in February 2020? Wasn't that Kobe yeah. and uh, the wildfires in Australia or Asia? 2020 yeah. was an insane year. I always joke that at when, was, when I have grandkids one day, God willing, they're going to like call me for a project. They're gonna right. Be like, in, in class, we're going to we're learning about 2020. You're going to be the primary source. Yeah, can you tell us, can you tell us about that year? Yep. <laughs> you know, um, we started fundraising for the Seth Val Foundation right around the time where bars and restaurants were being told they had to close. So it was a very difficult time to start a foundation. We had these big lofty goals for it. Um, since then, it's it comparatively had you know more humble beginnings than what we had kind of planned. But the work is still really, really great. Um, you know, the work kind of centers around the high school to college transition for students and student athletes. Um, if you can remember back to that time, depending on how many, uh, that time, like what I mean, that time, like junior, senior in high school, maybe even a little younger, depending on how many mentors you had, figuring out how to apply to college, how to get recruited if you're an athlete by colleges, that is a Pandora's box that kids at that age know nothing about. And most of their parents know very little about it too, at least where I'm from. So I had the good fortune of like, having three older brothers that had done the process before me. And honestly, a lot of my success has been the result of having the right information at the right time in order to execute it. Right? Like I had an older brother who could have played here football, but he got started too late. Cause he didn't know, you know what I mean? You can't get recruited after your senior year of high school football. You like, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, the Seth Deval Foundation exists to give students the right information at the right time so that they can really execute their goals. It's really that simple. Um, we do seminars. Um, we intended to have camps, um, recruiting camps that have remained virtual. And by virtual, I mean <laughs> virtual seminars. Um, but we disseminate a lot of information about um, academics, college academic requirements, um, college application process, processes, uh, recruiting processes for various sports. Um, and, uh, we, you know, we've seen athletes come through that are now uh, playing college football um, and, you know, or they're helping their little brothers, you know, along the process. It's really cool to see. So um, it's really just trying to re recreate what I had. I had the good fortune of being the youngest in my family and see people go through it before me. Not everybody has that. So I'm trying to re kind of recreate that um, reality for for kids in different situations. Yeah, and it's funny because I'm also the youngest of three boys, mm. and we moved from Nigeria when I was nine years old. And mm -hmm. so my oldest brother was, I think, freshman in high school, however old that is, like 14, 15. And we always also talk about the fact that 
the only reason that I'm in Princeton and he didn't go to Princeton, he went to Rutgers, obviously great school. He's in the last yeah, year yeah, great school. school. Like he's doing great. But the reason that he didn't come to Princeton also was that I had the more time to learn from them yeah. and more time to go through the middle elementary, middle school, high school process to really get a hang of things. Whereas when he was going through the process process himself, didn't really know much at all. So yeah. definitely work that is very necessary. And yeah. all it takes is having one older sibling who yeah. has had gone through the process and that will help you out so much more so. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely good work that needs to be done. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, and so one more uh, turning back to one other thing that you talked about and even like the way that we met was yeah. we were at the Princeton Entrepreneurship Conference. You talked about how you might have to plan for certain career switches one day. Yeah. Um, long, long term. Mm-hmm. What do you think you're going to want to do post football? Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> Brandon Marshall is a uh, former NFL wide receiver. He played for uh, the Jets, Miami, probably some other teams as well. I think Broncos too? Yeah, yeah. he ho- he hosts the uh, uh, House of Athletes, or I Am Athlete po- podcast, House of Athletes Gym. He's really doing wonderful things. Um, I have the good fortune to know him a little bit. Um, but he said something to that question that really stuck with me when people asked him what he wanted to do post football, he says, I'm doing it now. And what he meant by that is like, you don't have to wait to do what you want to do post football. And he's, he's really right. Like I may not be getting paid to do what I want to do right now, but I'm developing the skill sets and the the connections and the know-how to do what I want to do right now. So like, especially in a year where I didn't play football, um, I'm continuing to um, prepare for what's next whenever that comes. Um, And uh, it really just be, it boils down to being efficient with your time and being constructive with your time. You know what I mean? Not just entertaining yourself, you know, the time away. Yeah. Not like I'm being as a, as a, as a senior right <laughs> Well, now. you've earned, you've earned that right now. You know, like there's a time and a place, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? For me, it's not, it's not right now. But uh, yeah, you know, I was at that conference. Um, we live, we live really close to there, first of all. So it wasn't like, you know, a huge effort to get there, <laughs> but um, yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've, I started a business um, in 2021. Um, it's called Sebo's LLC. I manufacture and design custom uh, cleated footwear for athletes. And um, on top of that, there's a, there's other side projects I've taken on over the course of my NFL that involve data analytics, computer programming, um, intersection of finance, and also just sports world. Um, so I was there really kind of networking on those two fronts. Um, I still love engineering and math and science and computer programming. And um, I also love football. I love uh, biomechanics. Um, I've had a, I've had a number of foot surgeries, which is where um, the idea for the business came from because all of my foot injuries were caused by my cleats. Mm. And um, we could, we could do a whole nother podcast about this, but um, there's a lot of deficiencies in modern footwear um, a, a lot of modern footwear are created for comfort and fashion as opposed to performance. Um, even the shoes that are marketed as performance shoes like Nikes and especially their cleats um, are actually far from it. Wow. Um, and it, 
I've kind of had the good fortune of living for a long time at the intersection of rehabilitation, football, and engineering <laughs> to kind of make sense of all of it and put it together. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, actually, I play I play in all my own cleats these days. I don't wear Nikes or Adidas or Under Armour. Um, I wear Sebos, and uh, it's been really a game changer for my feet and my health in general. Um, and, uh, you know, we hope to provide that service for, uh, for athletes down the road. Um, actually as soon as this year, we'll be able to start providing that service. So, um, there's a lot that goes into it, but the Princeton network is certainly a huge help with all of it. So, um, it was, it was a joy to be there and connect with people and, Find good folks like yourself. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> um, but uh, we've done 48 minutes at this point. We are about, I'm, I'm about to start wrapping it up. And just, I guess, this is a last con- concluding thought. First yeah. of all, this has been one of the coolest episodes that I've recorded. Thank you. Thank you, Thank again you. for coming on. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, myself, I'm a college senior. Yeah. About to wrap up in literally two weeks. I'll be starting my finance job in the city July 26th. Good for you. Thank you. Where Thank at? you. Nice. Yeah. 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 Good for you. Thank you, sir. Um, and so you've given a lot of great advice to high school students, student athletes, just a bunch of different groups over the course of this episode. But to college seniors specifically, what is one nugget of advice that you would give us as we are about to enter into the real world? Hmm. So many wheels spinning. <laughs> you know, let me start with what I'm initially thinking and. Uh, I'll try to expound on the other things as well. But um, first thing I would say is uh, don't pigeonhole yourself in your major. What did you study? So I, <clears throat> this is another thing that could take hours. But no, I came in pre-med engineering. A lot of that was based on my Nigerian background. But sure. I'm now a neuroscience major. Gotcha. Yeah. So you, so you already know this to a certain extent. But like when you talk to alumni and people who are very successful in their careers – all their stories start out with, if you would have told me that I was doing this 20 years ago, I would have told you you were crazy, right? Yeah. So, like, don't, don't, uh, may- maybe start with your major and the kind of the, the uh, careers that naturally flow out of that. But the thing that makes Princeton so valuable, in my opinion, is that it over prepares you for real life. The environment here is hard. And the people who graduate here should be very proud, um, not in an obnoxious way, but in a confidence way that you are capable of so much. Um, if I never work an engineering job in my life, the the uh, the process of doing that here and playing football in and of itself provided the value of a Princeton education to me because I learned something about myself here. I was put through the ringer here. Um, and like I, I learned how to manage a lot on my plate, right? And that is a skill in and of itself that is going to be very valuable for you in your career. You're going to be an asset really in, in any industry that you find yourself in. But like, I guess my first advice would be don't pigeonhole yourself, let uh, vet every opportunity. Um, the other thing I would say is don't let somebody else tell you um, what you can and can't be. You know what I mean? Like um, if you find yourself in a job currently 
that you'd rather not be in that does not stop you from working on the skills that will bring you to the job that you want, right? So, like, even if you work in finance nine to five, which is not nine to five, (laughs) but let's just just imagine that it is. If you work work there from nine to five and you happen to hate it, we don't know yet, but if you happen to hate it, when you come home, start working on something that you do see yourself liking because, like, people don't just pay money for no skills, right? Like, develop skills that you want to work with the rest of your life, right? And, like, um, college really teaches you some skills, but really teaches you how to learn and how to juggle a lot, like we already said. So, like, um, there's so much out there to learn. There's so much out there um, from a career perspective to do. Um, and like, I guess that advice is born out of my current situation because like I haven't played football in a year. And so what have I done? I've worked on the things that I do want to do for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Um, that doesn't, it it not only gives you purpose, it gives you employability at some point. (laughs) You know what I mean? When, when the time is right, you know what I mean? Um, here's another thing a lot of people don't realize but the 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 best job the best time to find a job is when you don't need one um because employers tend to pick up on desperateness so like when somebody offers you a job while you already have a job don't just say no even if you think at the end you're gonna say no like vet like go through the process vet it out um because you actually have you actually you gain you gain a certain level of uh, attractiveness when you really don't need to say yes. You know what I mean? When when it kind of the ball's in your court. So I don't know. I guess that was all just a bunch of fluff. No, <laughs> no, that was all. Very, That's my advice. Very, you know, very very good stuff. And I think a perfect place to wrap up this episode. Seth, thank you so much again for coming on. Um, uh, yeah, this this has been great. This is it's just, been fun, man. This, Thank this you. Is, this was fun. Yeah. And this has been another episode of Go with the Flow. Thank you for listening. Yeah, 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 yeah.